Hello and welcome to the final episode of Demise or Surprise. The tournament is over, the final one comfortably by the team batting first as they posted an intimidating total and defended it comfortably with misely bowling and superb fielding, winning their first ever title in the process. But enough about Glamorgan's one-day cut victory. We're here to wrap up season one of the 100, which ended with the Oval Invincibles woman and the Southern Brave men lifting the respective trophies. What went well? Was it worth betting the farm? Where do we go from here? My name is Kit. Matt is with me. Matt, Southern Brave title. Happy? Got what you wanted? Yep. I mean, they are the closest to Warwickshire, given half their team either currently or have played for Warwickshire. So that's what I wanted, if it had to be anyone. And they have the love of my life, Jake Lintot. So, um, yeah, very happy. So that's counting to Warwickshire's push for the treble slash quadruple this uh, year? No. No. Southern Brave. Any county that tries to claim it, well, I think I've been through that before, but uh, <laughs> no, but no, it's very happy. Obviously, it's players I like and guys I like, especially Lintut. You know what a story for him. So they'll be going into the quarterfinal against Kent this week on good form, hopefully. They will. Good little story, Jay Lintz. Did you catch last week's episode? The bit you weren't on, the interview we did or I did with Michael. Um, I caught a little that's bit a, of it. That's a no. Uh, that's a no. That is a no. That is <laughs> it's all right it's fine i forgive you you had you had a week off i gave you an, an easier week to kind of process what happened in the yeah. test match you, you shouldn't have worked me into the ground uh <laughs> when you were my superior red brick so your fault i'm sorry about that but yeah as i say we we left our conversation in last week's episode predicting what was going to happen in the lord's test and I think even I was surprised by the level of the capitulation which happened after we spoke. Neither of us predicted it. But you were there to see it in the, fle- in the flesh again. Uh, yes, I was. I never thought I'd say this, but can we talk about the 100? <laughs> Just don't want to open any old wounds. I honestly fuming. Still, I, I just can't believe it. I just, when you do the maths in your head, when we were saying England win or draw was our two predictions... And you said you, that was being pessimistic on your part. We lost by 151 runs. And that was despite about 30 runs and extras or something ridiculous that we got given by Bumra. So, wow. It's impressive, really. Yeah. It's depressing. Yeah. Anyway, back to it's the 100. Depressing. Right, come on. Prop cricket, the 100. So, it has finished. Season one is over. We had the finals last weekend, or the eliminator, and then the final on the Friday and Saturday. Rain stayed away, they got it all in, which was good for them. And today we're just going to run through a long list of kind of winners and losers from the competition, what we think has gone well in the competition, what what needs improving, because this is the start of, I think, is what's becoming increasingly clear and what's going to be the theme for me for this podcast is that the 100 is just as divisive as we thought and it's also here to stay. So all the talk about it being a seismic shift for English cricket has been proven correct. And that's perhaps the main conclusion we can draw at this stage. But winners and losers, we'll, we'll rattle for as many of these as we can. And Matt, first up, I'm going to keep it simple. And I think the most obvious winner of the 100 is just women's cricket. More exposure, more money, more coverage than ever before. An unqualified success. Yeah, I think we probably don't need to go into it too much because... Mm. We sort of said the same points throughout, like nothing has really changed. Um, yeah, it has been, of course. And there are still a couple of, you know, like they exaggerated the 
attendance figures slightly because obviously they include people who went in at the end. But yes, of course, it has been. It's been a great platform, great quality, despite the likes of Elise Perry not making it. And next year, with the Commonwealth Games happening at the same time, there'll be a lot of the top women players already here. Mm -hmm. So next year should be even better uh, on the women's side. So that's fantastic. As we said in the first episode, they got rid of more Red Bull women's cricket which is obviously a downside, but overall, of course, it's been more positives than not for the for the women's game. Two big positives for me from the women's 100, besides all the stuff about just general more coverage and exposure that they've got in the last month. Two big positives for me. First of all, one we've talked about a lot is the young English talent that's come through and has been on show over the tournament. So Lauren Bell, Alice Capsey, Izzy Wong. Players like that, it's been great to see them on proper TV, seeing them perform against some of the best players in the country and the world. And yeah, it's, it's fantastic for their development and for their kind of status as cricketers in the in the cricketing world. And then one thing that we maybe haven't talked about that much, which I think is another really good eye-opener for me personally, is I've kind of been taught just how many amazing female cricketers there are across the world. So this may just be me being a little bit kind of narrow-minded prior to the 100, but I was of the perspective that the majority of like the leading cricketers were, were from England or Australia. I don't know if that's, again, me just being a bit uninformed and uneducated or the fact that they're the ones that played the most or most of the test matches. But the 100's proved that wrong, whatever. I'm talking players like Van Nieker, Cap, Rodriguez, Verma, Mandana, Taylor, Matthews. So many female cricketers from across the world have come in and left their mark in this tournament and it's made me genuinely excited to watch the next t20 world cup in the spring assuming it goes ahead and the commonwealth game as you mentioned next summer and i personally couldn't say that about previous global women's tournaments so in that sense the hunch has done a really good job completely agree uh, rodriguez has been Probably the biggest star, breakout star, hasn't she? I know someone who was there for her that first innings. I can't remember how many she scored. Ninety-one, ninety-two, I believe. Yeah, of about um, forty. I saw someone who I think he was even there for Ben Stokes' head and he said, "Honestly, this is the best innings I've ever seen." So mm. you know that sort of comment. It can only be a good thing. So it's living proof of the platform that the women's game now has and the change in perception of it. I guess. Yeah, the Indian players in particular have really left their mark on the women's mm. hundreds. So excited to see what what they do with their national team down the line. We know they've had some controversial financial problems in recent months, not getting their prize money from the 2020 World Cup of 2020. But hopefully, it's it's looking forward and and growing the women's game there because. Lord knows their men's team's not good enough, so it'd be nice if their women's team could start pulling away for the country. Um, yeah, good, women's cricket, big winner from this. Got the perfect platform now to iron out the f- few flaws that were kind of evident over the last month. So the pay gap, the silly refund policy they had, even tiny things like the shorter highlights that I talked about four weeks ago. So yeah, well done, the 100, for giving women's cricket uh, exposure like it's never had before. First loser, still related to women's cricket, whoever decided prior to the pandemic that women shouldn't be playing at the main hunter grounds deserves a sack because deserves the sack, not not a sack, because surely as good as the women's cricket was in its own right, it was really bolstered by the double headers, wasn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, I think uh, that uh, seems a no-brainer now, doesn't it? Yeah, of course, that's a huge positive. Um, uh, hopefully they can do that more in the Blast as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it'll be interesting to see how the 100 impacts other forms of domestic cricket in the in every sense of the word, really. OK, let's have another winner. And a slight winner here, a common topic of conversation, 100 is the crowd and the nature of the crowd. And it was interesting to speak to Michael last week on the podcast. Matt, obviously you listened to it devoutly, so you know exactly what I was talking about. But for anyone that that somehow didn't catch it last week, Michael, who who works at Lords in the Oval in one of the bars at, at each of those grounds, said that the atmosphere at the 100 games he was at was very family friendly and a lot less boozy than the ODIs or the test matches he's worked at. There's numbers to back this up as well. So 20% of tickets were purchased by women. Another 20% of, of spectators that attended games were children. So that's a good start. That's doing what the 100 wants to do. Matt, what did you think about the nature of the crowds just generally? Do you think they were they were more kind of family orientated from what you could tell on the TV? More than normal, but then I was still surprised, and I reckon they will still view this as a win that there were still a lot of at, at Trent Bridge and Edgebaston certainly there was a lot of atmosphere and singing and but then they did seem to embrace that ultimately saying look at the success of the 100 the crowd loves it you know, the amount of time if you got a penny every time the commentator said the crowd are loving it um, mm. in fact by the end they could talk about the team having fans I mean that, that makes my skin uh, cruel but uh, it does show that <laughs> Yeah, they were better than expect that at the start. So I think everything like that, I think they will view as a big success. And there was some rowdiness in the crowd, but I think it's slightly, or it, it's not slightly, it just is overblown because cricket crowds are never that boisterous. When they are, it's usually in a very specific and avoidable part of the ground. So... Everyone knows at Edgebaston that the holiday stand is the party stand. If you're a parent there oh, with yeah. your <laughs> if you're a parent there with your kids and you're worried about students ruining your day, then you can sit as far away from the holiday stand as possible. Like, okay, maybe maybe I'm exaggerating to say there's never roundy crowds at cricket, but this it's not Wembley on the Euros final day, is it, Matt? Like 20-somethings having a few drinks out of cricket isn't going to ruin a day for kids. Um, I mean, you were at the first day of the New Zealand test with the first uh, sporting match with pretty much full crowds and admit, you were glad you were there and not the Euros final. That was amazing. It but was yes, I do sensational. Know that was a... Uh, yeah, there were also no under-18s there, I believe, that day. Just, just Keep to say. Keep it that way. Big fan <laughs> of that. <laughs> for, the hun- for the 100 as well. Uh, um, no, no, let's let's not get carried away. Come on, we're sensible on here. <laughs> so yeah, that's why that's why I've I've said this is a slight winner because I think there were more families and kids in the crowd, but I don't think the more blast like crowd was that much of a problem in the first place. Like you still get plenty of kids at blast matches, for example, and plenty of kids at test matches. So yeah, slight winner for me. Nature of the crowds. Another winner, staying positive so far, and we might disagree on this, Matt, but I quite like the format, to be honest. It's a little different to T20, It's, but it's not harder or easier to follow for me. 
I like the tempo variation. It allows one player to make a real impact on the game. A lot of close games over the tournaments and the format's doing its job in that sense. What were your thoughts on the 100 as as a new form of cricket? I think format doesn't make loads of difference, to be honest. It's T20 in effect, isn't it, really? Like on stats, they count as T20. I think that's right. It's um, Yeah, cricket is cricket. So I, I don't mm-hmm. think it takes anything away. I think the issue more was the, the marketing and messaging in, in the month's build-up was more of a shambles. But in the end, I mean, I personally much prefer, obviously because I'm used to having run rates and all of that, but um, I, I don't think it's, I'm pretty indifferent. Mm. So I think I agree with you, to be honest. It's not better, uh, it's definitely not better than what we had before, but it's not much worse either. What I said about being able to bowl 10 balls in a row or face 10 balls in a row, really allowing a single player to impact the game and kind of change the game and those 10 balls, I think that really fits with the hundreds identity of being a bit more player centric. We've talked about people sporting teams because of players in this tournament. And so I think the marketing fits the format in that sense. Do you think on a broader global scale, maybe we could see the hundred format replace T20 or at least um, run alongside T20 in other countries? Because from a purely cricketing perspective, they kind of make the other redundant. Like you say, that it's effectively T20. So, yeah, I mean, like both T20 and 100 will make the most money. But do you need them both in a summer, for example, when they're essentially the same format? No, I think it will just stick to here, to be honest. The ICC and all of that, that, you know, they're going to prefer stuff with overs and whatever. And also, ultimately, weather sink is, is taken up by other countries. Largely depends on what India want. Uh, and they obviously haven't really had any players in it, and I don't know what if they've even shown it on their TV or whatever, so unless they got on board with it, which would not be for many years, if ever. Until they win and, the first um, 100 World Cup, and then they'll be right in it, because that seems I, to be how, how, how it goes in cricketing history. Yeah, I, I can't see it ever getting to that stage. One thing I didn't like so much, and I guess this, this is a loser, is is the structure of the knockout stage of the tournament. It's not a huge deal. It can easily be changed. But I did think it was interesting that both finals were won by the team that won the eliminator. Do you think there's any weight in the argument that playing in the elimit- eliminator gives you momentum and therefore an unfair advantage as the team that finishes that doesn't finish first? Nah, um, normally in the IPL, the team that deserves it wins. And I think the Southern Brave deserved it really, didn't they? Nah, I've got no issue with it. Fair enough. I think it will change, to be honest. I think they'd like to just have as many games as possible of organisers. Why wouldn't you? That's just more money. I think we could see maybe the top four, just just a straight top four going through and then two semi-finals in the final and future. And especially if we go to 10 teams, which is looking increasingly likely, we might get to that in a little bit more detail later. I think they'll just add more knockout games. But generally, I thought the format was good. And this leads me to kind of another winner is an eight-team competition. Again, Matt, I know you're not going to be a huge fan of this, but it it was way easier to follow than the 18-team blast. Felt like every game mattered. Teams were strong, even without the overseas players with more concentrated talent. I quite liked, personally, last year, having um, three groups of six in the blast. I think they could maybe go back to that and see. It just makes it possibly easier to follow. And 
more to play for for more teams. If it's smaller groups, you can finish third. Uh, not sure, but maybe that's something to consider. But do you at least agree that the 100 was easier to follow than the Blast? I mean, I don't have an issue following the Blast, so I found them both fun to understand. But So uh, it's difficult for me to, I suppose, empathise with people who only half-follow cricket because I've never half-followed cricket. If you're someone that half-follows cricket and you're someone that the 100 is therefore looking to attract... Do you at least agree that the hundreds an easier introduction to cricket than the blast because there aren't as many games to keep track of and that it's easier to know who's doing well and oh in that who's sense not. sorry yeah in terms of the time and there's too many games on at once in the blast yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah yeah I'm talking about the there's one game a day in men's and women's so there's not everything changing twice a yeah. week so that's why you could have a smaller group and then yeah. Um, you can have less games on at once, I suppose, that way. You can have one game per group or something. Yeah. I mean, the the problem is if they do go to a 10-team 100, then it's just going to, one, dilute the talent pool a little bit. Although we've got more overseas players, players coming in, that should mitigate that. But it's also, I guess, if it were 10 teams, you'd still just have, it, have the same structure of just a 10-team round-robin. So just... It's just maths, isn't it? The more teams you add, the less is riding on each game. And I think that's that's the beauty of a smaller tournament in terms of the number of teams that felt like every game really mattered, which is something you can't say about some competitions, I'd say. Yeah, definitely mm. agree. And also, I'm going this, and I don't know if I wholeheartedly subscribe to this, but the general feedback I've had, stuff that I've heard, would say that this is a winner is franchise cricket i feel like the teams have more identity than we thought they would have we said at the start of the tournament that individual players will make teams popular and i think that it it's kind of gone beyond that to be honest i think there is genuine support for these franchises more than we thought yeah but wow well, are you trying to make me cry um <laughs> I'm just I mean, trying to be depends. trying to be I mean, objective. I, th- I think Birmingham Phoenix and Trent Rockets. I would agree. I think Trent Rockets in particular because most of their team is Nottingham, so they're not completely alienated Notts fans. Focused on, therefore, you, you can easily support Nottingham the city. I know it's called Trent, but you know, um, Birmingham Phoenix. I suppose they're focused on the city in the marketing quite well, like especially mm. mowing murals everywhere mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. One of your own as such a fantastic ambassador. And fantastic captain. But I think, again, certain success stories are then sort of painted onto everyone, whereas the Oval Invincibles, I mean, they're not anywhere near as well supported as Surrey's T20 games were, despite free tickets no. being lashed out, which we must remember when we talk about numbers in attendance. So back to your question, yeah, I mean, more successful than they thought, but apart from under 10s, not that many people are probably actually supporting the teams. I hope. <laughs> I think it's important to reiterate what you said about so many tickets being given away for free. And that I think when I was watching the finals on Saturday, it seemed really empty at the start of the women's final. And I don't think that's because people only cared about the men's final. I think that was because a lot of people had free tickets and they were in the area, but they'd looked at the forecast and thought it's going to rain. We're not going to bother. And then as the forecast improved throughout the afternoon, they thought, okay, we've got a free ticket. We're not, we're not losing out. Whether we go or we don't, we might as well go now because we don't think we're going to get wet. 
So then the stadium started to fill up. So I think it's just important to remember there's a difference between stands being there's a, there's a difference between tickets being sold and the stands being filled is the important thing to remember and at some point they're gonna have to stop giving free tickets away because that's not how you run a business all right let's do a loser maybe the biggest loser of them all 50 over cricket yeah do you want to just go yeah thank you uh, you know me well uh yeah i mean to be fair i think it's in some ways been better than we thought i think there have been a lot of positive comments about the 50 over competition about youngsters having a chance um some clubs have had good you know the members rebacked to them like leicestershire had apparently double what they were getting in the last uh one day cup surrey have been getting sort of seven thousand sort of thing yorkshire have been getting big ones because there's been more games at outgrounds that's been a positive you get good crowds at uh, the outgrounds more new people in so in some ways that it's you know been far more successful and enjoyable than than people thought but then they moved the final to Trent Bridge uh, and put it on a Thursday so yeah and all the obvious obviously the lack of quality the fact that so many part bat, opening batsmen could just bowl a bit of spin and do well it's yeah it, I think it will stay in the shadow of the 100 um, mm. because there's been enough positive comments where they can but yeah of course it's a loser but we knew that before so it's not like we've discovered something new I mean they've made yeah. the best of it so yeah. fair play to the counties and congratulations to Glamorgan well done Wales yeah the championship is too prestigious the blast is too financially valuable so if you think four formats or four competitions in a domestic summer is too much it's the 50 over one that's going to be marginalised the most or is going to be affected the most by other competitions I think if you look historically when there other times have been four competitions it's always that middle-of-the-road format that loses out, whether it was the 40-over competition back in the day or the Royal London One Day Cup now. So, yeah, we've we've talked enough about what this, what this means for that format and time will tell what it means for England's very, very strong 50-over national side in the men. Another loser, staying with the domestic, um, the men's domestic side of things, is the counties without a hundred ground? So there was a Kimfo article earlier this week, which was reporting that there are fears that the hundreds are going to create a big financial divide within the domestic game. So you've got the eight counties who who have a ground where where the hundred is played, and they get a slice of the ticket and hospitality revenue from those games, which in theory gives them more money to sign players. So I think the Cricket Info article was referencing the likes of Chris Jordan, Phil Salt, Matt Critchley, all play for counties that don't have 100 ground and they're currently being targeted by counties that do have 100 ground. So I think it was Lancashire and Glamorgan were in for those players. So Matt, do you think that's a, a serious concern that, that the 100 could, in the 18-county domestic game, create kind of a haves and have-nots system? Um, I mean, I do, but I actually... That's been around for years. That would have happened anyway. So it's going to, what it will do is increase the effect because they're getting more of a platform. And I suppose, yes, it does widen, but that's already been happening for years. So it's not one of the biggest concerns. All it's doing is slightly worsening an already terrible problem. Do you think it will create a divide between boardrooms across the counties? Yes. But yeah, I think, I'm sure that must have been there before for years, surely. 
I mean, well, the fact that you only have to look at Graves' comments um, saying what's the point of Leicestershire to show that that and how Leicestershire have emphatically responded um, mm. to see that there are the, those frictions already. Uh, I've got to be careful what I say as a Warwickshire fan, where obviously one of the bigger counties, we do nick people's players. We have a successful history of doing it. So I've got to be careful what I say. But um, yeah, it's it's not great, is it? Alex Davis is looking like a very good signing. Just oh. for- Massive tangent after the hundred. Have we done that? We've, I mean, we nicked him from a club that are bigger than us, so that's brilliant. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I think it sounds like whatever his vision of, of how we'll end up in the England team, Lancashire weren't meeting because Farbro said we had a chat and we sat down. We're going to provide the best platform possible for him to get in the England team. Um, so I don't know if that's to do with having the gloves or not, or p- uh, batting position. Maybe he wants to open and not bat at three or uh, have the gloves in T20 perhaps instead of. Villas, um, who knows, but absolutely brilliant news. And um, Southern Brave as well, so one of our boys. <laughs> I'm going to get you a Brave shirt. It's going to have to be done. You can get you that shirt, the hat, the rucksack, the water bottle, the underpants. Well, it's the only team Everything. near Southampton that are going to have a good sports year. So, uh... Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Do you not <laughs> see us? Do you not see our hard-earned point against United, the so-called title contenders? Yeah, also can, once again lost a second half, so that bodes well. Oh, is it all about that? It's a 90-minute game, not 45. Right. Uh, you're above us in the league. You're yeah, above us in the league. 13th. So. Safe. All right, enough football chat. Agreed. Okay, and we've already talked about the prospect of super counties a couple of weeks ago, the idea that the 800 counties become more attractive because you're more more likely to get picked up for the 100 there. So that is perhaps another thing to keep an eye on in terms of creating disparity within the county game. Should we go for another loser while we're feeling a bit bit Hell negative yeah. about things? We, de- we dedicated a whole episode about this, so we won't spend too long on it, but it has to be said again, England's test match batting. It, it's not the 100's fault that England got bought up for 120 at Lords the other day, but it's not going to solve the problem at all. No, read my article. I'll summarise it, yeah. It's, it's a problem that's been going for years. They've neglected Red Bull cricket. They're paying the price. The 100's going to make it worse and did make it worse in the first test. So... Enough said, really. Do you think that Moeen Ali's 100 form influenced his recall? Yeah. I mean, not that much, though. I think, they were, I think they'd have picked him anyway. But yes, it did, I think. And it did for... I feel like it may have influenced uh, one or two others, possibly. Maybe Mahmood, when he got called up before they knew the extent of the injury crisis. And now I'm glad you know, Mahmood will play next week, and I'm glad. But um, I'd have thought maybe a few weeks before, possibly Cast may have been ahead of him in the Red Bull picking order but then the mood did better in um, yeah in 100 but yeah um yeah i think that again that's a problem for years they've always picked red ball players off white ball form it never ends well it never will we know it's stupid but hey jason roy opened in the ashes so <laughs> let's change the topic because i've got ptsd again i just one thing is i think the ultimate Worst case scenario for this is someone like Liam Livingston getting pitched to play a test match. I was about I don't to say th- that. Thank you. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think that'll happen, but that's the, whatever the opposite of a utopia is. A doomsday for English test cricket is when you're picking players 
just because they've done well in the 100 and you know what they are it's, it would set such a dangerous precedent it'd be like what will happen with Jason Roy times 100 it wouldn't be as bad as Roy because he literally did not play Red Bull at least sure. Livingston had sure but Livingston's okay. averaged what 10 this year I know what you're saying let's, let's not have these negative thoughts alright it's all good fine. we're going to win the Ashes it's fine we're going to have Burns is going to average 60 in Australia somehow and just get a century every match uh, Shut up. What the hell are you talking about? This Ashes is going to be lost. It's not going to be won. It's either going to be lost by England's terrible batting or it's going to be won by a civil war in Australia. Cricket, not the country. But yeah, we will look forward to that when it comes. Talk about the women's test picture quickly. We've talked, and everyone's talked again, the 100 was amazing for women's cricket. It's done so much for it within a month it's going to do so much for it going forward what do you think about if i was just to say all right it's clear that the way forward for women's cricket is short format cricket it's 100 format tests clearly aren't the way to go not enough country wants to play them let's just completely do away with women's test cricket and focus on t20 and 100 what would you say to that um i mean we sort of discussed it before but i've said my the reason i've never been that into women's cricket is because they don't play red bull if they played lots of red, I watched their test matches, but I, I'm not anywhere near as bothered about any white ball cricket, uh, regardless mm. of competition, mm. gender, whatever. So I hope they don't completely neglect red ball, even though it looks like they want to, because a lot of exi- that's how you get existing fans into it, more traditional fans into women's cricket, which isn't their mm. priority. But yeah, you know, I, I say the women's ashes when they first added, you know, the current point system with a test in there. That was fantastic interest at the time. I'm with you from my personal point of view. I'd love to see the women play more tests. I'd love to see more countries really push to play more women's test cricket. Equally, I I can put the kind of more pragmatic and slightly less principled and traditional hat on and say we should just lean into the short format because that's what's going to make the woman the most money and make as many female cricketers have full-time careers as possible. So... Perhaps that, that encapsulates the 100 perfectly is women's test cricket. You can either have tradition or you can have innovation and money, but you, can't, you might not be able to have both. That's pretty much all of my winners and losers. My last winner was Kevin Peterson because I just thought he was a brilliant commentator. But I feel I've touched enough nerves with you today, so we won't go into that one in too much detail unless you want to. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking the bait. <laughs> okay okay i thought he was great and emma john on the guardian said he should be on the bbc because he's so good at explaining the game for new viewers and i completely agree with her all right kate... i'm sorry i've taken the base i'm sorry i'm, I'm taking it <laughs> you've worked no he pretend every six he saw it was, it was the first six he'd ever seen and when it was at him he said oh he's never seen that shot before have you ever watched A.B. de Villiers? For Christ's sake. Uh, anyway, just move on. You, you've, I know what you're trying to do, and it works. <laughs> I know, I was... you, yeah, you knew what you were doing. I hope you're proud of yourself. I hope you um, spend your winnings on some lessons in grace and decorum. <laughs> you've used that reference before. Yes. Sloppy. Sloppy. Well, I'm, I'm fuming, to be honest. But anyway. He kind of very subtly claimed allegiance to three different of the three different teams in the tournament because obviously he's played for Notts, Hampshire and Surrey. So 
fair play to him. He was always ending up on the winning side because their teams did pretty well, especially in the in the women's final. He couldn't lose. But no, I've made my feelings clear about KP before. He's he's had quite a comeback. Um, classy touch with Rashid Khan as well when he um, gave him props for for playing through everything that Rashid Khan and all the other Afghan players going for the moment. So that was very classy, I thought, as well, and should be mentioned. Um, and yeah, and yeah, my final loser was just everyone who likes watching Liam Livingston bat, because I don't care if you hate 100, Matt, that would have been an absolutely iconic moment if it had gone and got him 100 in that final and won in the game. Yep, yeah, no, Livingston's... I saw someone said they were joking, but at the same time, uh, as Ben Jones on Twitter said, Mad to think that Liam Livingston's the most well-known cricketer in the country, not called Ben. Yeah, yeah, I not saw quite, that as well. Obviously, Anderson, Root, Cook, but uh, beyond that, it's an argument. Yeah, it's an argument. Just and that speaks to what the hundred has done and what it might do. And maybe because it's on terrestrial TV, people do now see. Maybe everyone thinks every casual cricket fan thinks Liam Livingston's our best cricketer. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, yeah. I still think Root and that lot would be ahead. But he'd be up there. Yeah, he'd be top 10 for sure. Uh, probably top seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I say, I'd say Stokes, Cook, Root, Morgan, Archer. Then he's probably next, to be honest. For yeah. someone that's never played a test and hopefully won't play for a while, he's very famous just by that barometer. I also think, have, have you seen that quote? is very famous so you probably have about um wg grace when he apparently got out first ball once yep. and he put the bales back on and was like these people have come to watch me bat not you bowl are you familiar yeah of course yeah i was Legend. yeah i was Leedson would do that like i like two percent of me just wanted livingston to do that after he got run out in the final because it was kind of true in that context as well oh yeah what a way to get out though <laughs> Yeah, Tim David, yeah. didn't you see him the other week? He is the best player in the world. Um, I don't know if I said that on here. I certainly After said Chris it private to everyone. Tim David is, yeah, going to be the greatest cricketer of all time. So he was playing second division club cricket in Holland. So and now he's got a hundred winners medal. So fair play to him. <laughs> and a hundred winners medal is the pinnacle of cricket, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, but yeah, how's your summer going? Um, fair play <laughs> to him. I mean, that is just incredible, isn't it? So, and now he's got deals for the IPL and the CPL as well. Have you got any anything we've missed in our winners and losers list? Mine is exhausted. Uh, just Lintop been a winner. He's got a CPL <laughs> deal as well, and there's a there's a winner that the players are winners in the hundred. Players are winners. You know, not only are they getting money in this that they haven't had before, but they're getting more exposure. You know, they're mm-hmm. getting contracts for other leagues and mm-hmm. uh, whatever. So, yeah, the players are winners. Apart from the ones who lost, literally, but they're still winners. Everyone's a winner. It's all of it. It's the participation that counts. So we've pretty much reached the end of the hundred and the end of this series. I guess the one thing to kind of wrap up before we we love and leave the internet is: what are you looking out for? maybe over the winter and in the seasons to come when it comes to the 100? What's what's the one thing, Matt, that, that either concerns you or excites you about what's to come? I think it'll be the, the big names, I suppose, is they know in some ways a benefit of what's happened. The fact that it's been a success without them, 
which sort of obviously ruined the build up like there's no one in it the fact that they're going to be here next year that in itself is an improvement and uh, helps their natural progression so i think that sort of means they can completely relax about it really i hope they don't relax because i think it's been i think it's been a success this summer and there was a great i use that term loosely a great article on the ecb website basically charting all the different brilliant things that the 100 had done this summer so they've hit their revenue projections they've got loads of people buying tickets that haven't bought a cricket ticket in this country before this year and obviously it was a bit state media because it was it was the ecb talking about how great the 100 was and I, that just article made me think they can't rest on their laurels now in a lot of senses they've they've got off to a decent start but one thing that was said last week on the podcast by michael that stuck with me is that and obviously he's he's speaking from a casual cricket fans perspective so the, the people that the 100 are targeting is that the hundreds only going to be the new thing once isn't it and next summer there might be the overseas players coming in and there might be less COVID restrictions, etc. But it's not going to be the shiny new toy forever. And the 100 needs to keep innovating and make sure it's looking after all cricket. Yeah, absolutely. But as I say, I think their job will be easier from a marketing point of view next year. I think I think the year after that is where it becomes more difficult when it's not a shiny new toy. But this year was almost like a pilot and next year's season one, if you know what I mean because mm. of all the challenges of the pandemic and whatever this year and the unknown. Whereas next year is their first one they can sort of do properly. Yeah, this is almost like year zero, the prologue, I suppose yeah. you could say. But yeah, I think in a vacuum, no context, the tournament was brilliant. It was really entertaining. It was easy enough to follow. And I will miss it now that it's over. I miss watching it every day. I know there's other cricket to watch as well, but... Who wants to watch England play Test cricket at the moment? But I think just to relate back to our winners and losers list, all our winners were to do with the cricket itself, stuff like the format, the women's game, uh, the nature of the crowds, which is still to do with kind of the event of a game itself. And then our losers were more to do with kind of the broader existential threats to the hundred, the, uh, the, the existential threats that the hundred poses to to English cricket in a in a broader sense. So I guess to kind of make some final conclusions is that everything that a supporter of the 100 said was good about the competition have been proved true, but all the things that the detractors said the 100 would cause to like the county game in a negative sense still remain. And so for me, and let me know if you agree, it feels like we've kind of just drawn the battle lines, if that makes sense, that just... No one's really going to have their opinion changed by, by the last four weeks. That like either you, you still think the hundred's a great idea, or if you're a bit more traditional like yourself, Matt, you still think it's it's going to be bad for the game. Would you would you say that's accurate? Yes, yes, I would. Excellent. Well, I'm glad glad we finished on some agreement. Is there is there anything else you want to say about your favourite competition? before we called it yeah did you see the admin season? had to delete that tweet saying oh when there's no oh what yeah do, do now the hundreds finished yeah stupid well <sighs> there's no cricket on on terrestrial tv so that relates back to cricket's now disappeared for people who don't have a sky subscription for a year so it'll be again interesting ECB can sort this out like they, they, they could put some blast games on there but mm-hmm. that's uh, far too or obvious we, and or sensible. we could 
or we could join the Warwickshire away fans down at Canterbury this Friday. Yeah, yeah, very much looking forward to it. Realistically, it's the biggest day. If you're a county fan, it's the biggest day in the calendar because for home fans, sells out, big money maker. It's yeah, the only time you get a guaranteed big undoubted sellout no matter what you charge and big occasion as well. But then it's also the only one where it's a proper away day with a segregated away end. So it's just class. So it's going to be a scrap for the Kent Ultras. Oh, yeah, meet them by the cathedral after. <laughs> Canterbury's like the least intimidating place. <laughs> All right, well, I think that's it. That's it for the 100 Demise of Surprise, six episodes in the books. We've, we've, gone, we've gone for a lot, haven't we? And it's been... It's been really fun. We've had a good time. Matt's even promised that he's going to listen to the bits that he wasn't in, which which means a lot. But yeah, that's it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening throughout the last month. Matt, thank you to you as well. And thank you to Alex Hales for providing us with a wonderful soundbite. If nothing else, we had a brilliant introduction in episode four. So, so re-listen to that or listen to it for the first time. But yeah, maybe, who knows, we'll catch you in a year's time when we talk about the 100 destroying English cricket even more despite a 5 and Lashes victory. So maybe we'll see you then. Mm-hmm.